Hey, welcome to Next Steps. Today we're going to be talking about trials, patience, and joy. So please tune, tune in. in. All right, good morning. Welcome to Next Steps. I'm Pastor Adcock here with Miss Darby. Hey, and hey. Uh, Miss Darby, good to have you back. How was Nebraska? It was good. I got to see some of my college friends, and they're some of my dearest friends. So it was good. It was just a long, long trip. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Malachi and I, we did one last week. Wasn't, it was good. Wasn't the same without you, but uh, good missed to have you, you back. Missed you guys. So yesterday we're back in the book of James, mm-hmm. and we are dealing with the maturity of the church. Here's, here's the strange thing. So I'm leaving church yesterday, and someone asked, was that message hard to preach? And that kind of came across different to me. They're like, well, what do you mean hard to preach? And they're like, well, that was a hard topic. Did you feel like it was a hard topic? I think when you're talking about joy or patience or things that are that lead to spiritual maturity, um, I think if, we're, if you're struggling with it, yeah, it's hard, you know? I guess, and, and I guess it kind of took me back a little bit because I was like, why would that be hard? You know, why, why, why would, and not that the message was hard or the delivery was hard, but the topic, I guess. Well, I, I even remember when you were talking about just things that you, that people have not healed from properly. And you might be, um, that was one of the things that was, was talked about is you might have some trauma or things as you're in your adult life that have happened, um, when you were a kid and you haven't walked through them and you haven't dealt with them properly. And so maturity wise, even just as, a human or, you know, just you you might, you think you're responding in a mature way, but really you're responding as old as that trauma had, had happened to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that, that, that is difficult for anyone. Well, counselors, psychologists will tell you that wherever our emotional maturity is at is it goes back to our last trauma. So if you take someone who had trauma in their life and it, it could be, it could be, Losing someone you love, a parent, a grandparent, it could be a divorce of your parents, it could be abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, mm-hmm. um, happens at early age, unfortunately, in this world. And we're, we get stuck there emotionally. We may grow up physically, but emotionally, when we get hurt, when we get scared, we kind of retreat back to that age where we haven't dealt with that issue yet. Mm-hmm. And until we deal with that issue, we're not really going to mature and I think that may be some of the reason why it can be difficult. We're, sit, we're sitting in the sanctuary this morning, and I see all this yarn uh, on both sides, and I'm just thinking each, each yarn has three knots in it. And I know Malachi yesterday shared how before we did the knots, it, the, the yarn was smooth. It was easy to kind of fill up and down on. But today, if we went and touched them, there's going to be these little these little bumps, these grooves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's our lives. We, we, we have some smooth and then we got this bump and then smooth and this bump. And, and if we don't go back and deal with the bumps, we're going to constantly kind of be in a repeat cycle of emotional immaturity until we go back and deal with some of these more difficult, hard things to deal with. And so after hearing this person ask that question, I was just kind of like, Maybe this message was much more difficult than what I thought. And I, I, I guess I assumed their, first, their, their question to me at first was, was it hard for me to deliver this message? And no, it wasn't. But I didn't realize how emotionally damaged we can be as people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and now, well, before we even dive into that, for those of you that were not with us this Sunday, we did a, um, we did a little church exercise as a family. We had these, these little, um, strings that were actually made of yarn and, uh, we were asked to tie three knots of 
just certain moments that were incredibly memorable or just huge moments in our lives. And uh, some of us have way more than three, um, but we were asked to um, to tie three of those knots. And uh, Malachi asked us to kind of run our hands down, just like Pastor James was saying. And uh, as we make those knots, whether that was we accepted Jesus in our lives, whether that was, a, a, like you said, a, a divorce of our family or these things that were monumental moments in our lives. Um, and we, you know, we ran our, our, our fingers down the, the string before we had tied them. It was very, very smooth. And then the second time after we had tied those knots, we ran down and after that knot, like that, after that knot had been there, um, there, like, just like you were saying, there, there's that texture there. So those of you who weren't with us on Sunday, that was an exercise that we, that we did just to, to kind of explain that there. Um, and I don't mean to interrupt you, Darby, but the, I think the idea of doing exercises like this in church is phenomenal. Obviously, this wasn't my idea. Uh, Malachi kind of came with this idea, and uh, we kind of ran with it yesterday. But I, I love, I love the fact that um, we are bringing all the senses that we possibly can into church. We, you know, we have these senses: sight, hearing, touch, taste. And yesterday we didn't so much deal with every sense, but but I think about that touch and you touching that yarn, and I think all of us would want our life to be smooth. You know, everything just turns out perfect, everything's great, but that's a, that's not a reality of our life. The reality of our life is we're going to have these knots. The knots, and I think one of the things I was trying to get across yesterday was these bumps, knots, however we want to say it, are not there to destroy us. Like we assume at first someone who's abused, someone who's in law, someone who's been betrayed, whatever it is. Well, man, that was there to destroy me. Well, that might have been the intent, but, but God said, I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to use it to build you. And I think that may be another difficult part of this, this sermon was, how's God going to use something that was so traumatic in my life to be something good? Yeah. And, I, and that's hard for us to deal with. And, you know, I think it's also hard, too, when, you know, we, we come into church, and so for those of us who um, just some of us know the word, we grew up with the word, and, you know, what, what the passage that you used on Sunday, um, it was, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And another version says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I went on a little bit more there. Um, but I, I think it's hard when we read something like that. And we're like, Oh, good, good word. Good word from the Bible. But what makes it difficult is those trials of many kinds are exactly what you were talking about of the real life stuff of my parents got divorced or I lost my job or something, some sort of abuse happened to myself, somebody that I, I, that I knew before. And I think what makes it hard of it's these, these things that we walk in that sometimes we come into church of like, there's no way that the Bible has anything to say and could speak into this this trauma in my life, but it does. And that's why we, we come in, we break down these verses because the Bible does have something to say about it. Jesus warned us. He said, in this world, you're going to have many trials. Or he used the word tribulations. And there was a tool, it was a farming tool that the Jewish people had. It was called the tribula. And it was, it was kind of like one of our clubs, a smaller smaller portion of a baseball bat, a little bit wider. 
maybe like a wiffle ball type bat, not the plastic kind, but made of wood or something. And they put nails and different sharp objects on it, and they, they beat the grain. And they beat the grain to separate the grain from the shaft. And they would go, and then they would throw the grain up in the air, and the shaft would blow away, and the grain would fall down. But this was called the tribula because it caused, there was this like thumping. There was this hitting, this uh, beating that took place. And Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have this beating and I find that an amazing statement from Christ because it's not like sometimes we hear from church, our life is to be smooth, our life is to be good, our life is to be, have no problems. You know, the old hymn, safe from all alarms. Well, I think that's one of the biggest lies there is. Mm-hmm. Why, why? God has never promised safety. But we have this false assumption because I'm a believer, or I believe in Jesus, my life ought to run smooth. And I, and I don't know where that started or where it came from. But Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have many tribulations, but be of good cheer. That's the difference. And kind of coming back to James here, my brother encountered joy, you know, when you fall into these assorted trials, these, these temptations, these tribulas. Why? Because of this word patience. And, and it really goes against the grain of what we think when we get with the facts of what Jesus said. And that's, and that's difficult for people to understand because they're like, well, if Jesus loved me. He wouldn't let me be hurt. Well, Jesus loves you, so he's going to use that hurt for his glory and honor. And even in a bigger picture, too, because I I run into a lot of, you know, we all are a part of different generations, and um, I have some friends that really, they're not believers, and they ask some really hard questions of, you know, even what believer or not, the question comes up, well, why would God do this to me? Or why would Jesus let, you know, let this happen? Or there are things, the bigger picture is we, like, the fall, you know, we, we lit sin enter the world and we live in a fallen world and things will not be perfect until Jesus comes back. And I, and again, I think it's important to know, note that just Jesus and, you know, just never does these things to us. He allows and works all things for the good of those that love him. Um, but I think people, they really want the answer of, well, why would God do this? Or why is this even happening? Well, because sin's in the world and we live in an, a, a fallen and perfect world. My, I, w- I was growing up, there was a bully. And lame. What's that? Yeah, lame. lame. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like bullies. And, and so my mom said, you're going to have to fight the bully. And that's the last thing I wanted to do. And I didn't want to fight the bully because I was afraid of what the bully was going to do to me. I didn't know in this situation that maybe in this situation the bully was bullying because he was fearful of other things. But the day I stood up to him, life changed. That's not a recommendation for everybody. I, you talk about different generations, right? And, and today's generation is totally different than the generation I grew up in. But, but we fought for about 45 minutes, fist to fist, hitting each other, rallying around. Uh, but he never bullied me after that. You know, and, and again, it's not, that's not a remedy for all situations. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. But I say that because I remember fighting this bully and it was in my backyard because it was a kid my mom babysitted for. And I remember thinking to myself, my mom's watching from the, from the front window, these two boys out fighting and she's not stopping it. Now, why isn't my mom protecting me? Why isn't my mom coming out there and taking care of this? And something she knew I didn't know is that this was going to be a growing experience for me. And I'm sure if things would have got out of hand that she would have been out there either way, meet on him or him on me. But I, I share that because I think sometimes we're, 
we have God and he's looking at our lives and we're thinking to ourselves, why didn't God step in? Kind of like your friends asked, you know, why would God allow this? And they're great questions and they're not bad questions, but there's something in the, there's something in this trial that I don't understand yet. You know, we're dealing with people that have terminal illness. We're dealing with people who have been betrayed. We're dealing with people who've been abused, people who have gone through divorce or parents have gone through divorce. And they're saying, why didn't God stop that? And I don't know, I don't know if there's an adequate answer to come and say, well, here's the, here's the pl- plain facts of why God didn't No, do I don't it. think any of us ever have the answer. I wish we could, we could give an answer. Right. And, and that's kind of the difficult part about Christianity because we're, we're asking people who don't have a relation with God sometimes or don't even believe in God to exercise a faith in something that they don't even believe in. Mm-hmm. Well, God had a purpose for this. Well, if they don't believe in God, they're not going to believe in God's purpose. So to bring that kind of back to the reality, James is speaking to believers here, but, you know, God sometimes watches us go through something. And I go back to the Old Testament, and he says, I'm gonna, don't worry, he says, I'm going to take the years the locusts have stolen, and I'm going to restore them. Or I'm going to turn your ashes, and I'll make something beautiful out of it. And we're sitting there thinking, well, why even let me even go through with this? But we don't see the, we don't see the, the larger scope. We see moment by moment, second by second, where God sees time. He's seen me. This, this blows my mind, but God's seen my birth and my death, and he's seen everything between in one moment. Mm-hmm. I don't. I live, I live second by second. When I, look, when I think back about my childhood, I think about moments. You know, oh, I had to fight a bully. That's my moment. You know, this happened. That's a moment. But when God looks at my life from beginning to end and everything in between in one moment, and that's an amazing thought because he's like, this is going to help him in my situation handle this. He may not understand it right now, but he's going. To, it's going to happen. No, I'm. I agree. And uh, one of the things that you you talked about on on Sunday as well, you mentioned the word joy, mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned that joy is a choice. Yeah, joy is a choice. Happiness. You know, we we use, we we often like let's go around and be happy. Well, happy is kind of based upon circumstances. So happy is when things are going well. Happiness leaves when things are not going so well. We used the example of chewing food and you accidentally bite your tongue or you bite your inside of your gum. And, you know, it's just, oh, the instant pain. And it's just like happiness is all gone there for that moment. Stub your toe. Happiness is gone. Joy is a choice. Mm-hmm. So we thought about what Paul told the church in Philippi. Restore. Restore the joy that is within you. And it's this idea of imaginary ladle going into kind of a pot and, and stirring the, the ingredients up to mix it all back together. And there are these moments in our life that we kind of become settled. And as a result of being settled, God said, let's put that ladle into, that, into our hearts and let's stir it up and let's remember what God is doing, why he's doing it. And we, we use the verse in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, the word rejoice means re-stir the joy. Mm-hmm. And so... That's, that's the reason why happiness is, is based upon circumstances where joy is a constant choice. I'm going to find joy in the situation. I'm going to find something that, that God is doing here that I can be joyful in. And I think, again, that's hard enough. To, and it says, and pick a translation, but it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then another, another version it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That just, again, that joy is... It's so difficult, even, you know, learning this verse as a kid, thinking, 
how on count it all joy when I I face trials of many kinds like how like what and I think that that again is is hard for people to have but again when when you that's why I loved when you had talked about that on Sunday and said joy is a choice joy is something that is God breathed um, I just I thought that was so great to to point to well and again point to Jesus looking unto the author and finisher of faith Hebrews twelve two says and he says who for the joy that was set before him, not the happiness. Jesus made a specific intentional choice to go to Calvary. He made a choice to die. He made a choice to suffer in the way he did. He made a choice to be buried and he made a choice to come back to life. But that was a choice for the joy. What was, what was the joy before him? It wasn't the actual, we're not talking about the, the brutality of the cross he was looking forward to. He was looking forward to people like you and I, our friends, our family, people in this world, whoever they may be coming to know God as a result of what he did. What if God was doing the same thing in your life and my life with, the, with our knots that we, we, we did in our yarn yesterday? And he's using it and saying, listen, who for the joy you endured this betrayal? Who for the joy you, you, you chose to be obedient during this trial? Who for the joy you, you dealt with the abuse? For the joy you went through the divorce? What, whatever, the, whatever the knot represented in the negative emotion that we feel, what if God's like, you're not going to believe what I'm going to be able to do now as a result of this. Mm-hmm. And a great example would be someone that you really enjoy is be the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Yeah. And, and, you know, and people say, you know, there's all this negative reaction toward her. But, yeah, here's God and, and God's infinite wisdom. Like, let me show you what I'm going to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And no one would have ever guessed that God would have chose her to do what he did through her. But God knew that. Yes. And, and, and it's the same thing with the situation here. That's why... I think James, the author of this, is saying, listen, let's count it all joy. Let's choose joy when we fall in all these assorted problems because we just don't know the potential what God has here. Yeah. And I think another way to do that, too, if, if you're kind of listening to this and it's like, well, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really hear what you're saying. and I'm not going to have joy because what I'm facing is incredibly difficult. Yeah. I think another thing, too, is just saying, you know, we, we have joy because we have a hope. We have a hope that is in Jesus Christ. And does that mean that on this side of heaven, everything is perfect? Or, you know, sometimes I think we come into church and um, whether it's, you know, on purpose or not, most often it's never, never intentional, but, you know, it's easy to, you know, we're, we're walking through, through trauma and, and real, real life trauma, real hurt, real pain, real things that we need answers about. And, uh, it's so easy to just be like, well, count it all joy. Isn't yep. it fixed? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, and I think something that you do so well and, um, some, just some really healthy people in general do is, is really honoring that, that, that again, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that, that somebody mentioned and asked like, well, is that a hard, hard thing to preach is because you are addressing and affirming and just honoring the the pain that people are walking through and again if uh if you are not quite sold on on this Jesus man or you uh have just been away from him for some time or you just kind of have some questions just to be reminded again as it, we can hear bible verses like this but again even in the imperfection of when we walk into church and maybe somebody accidentally doesn't honor where you're at Jesus does yeah. and he he sees you where you're at and and when we point to verses like this in the Bible, count it all joy, is is saying that we we see the real pain that you're walking through, the real trauma, and the Bible ha- says something that it just it says very clear of to count it all joy with whatever trauma you're going through, that, that we do have a hope. Absolutely. We, we have to be careful to 
never undermine someone's growth process. I'm, <laughs> I may understand math faster than you, or you may understand faster True. than me. No, you'll, you'll understand it faster. You than know, you. I, can't get, I can't get upset with somebody and say we're four or five, we're just learning addition. And you're struggling, or I'm struggling, whoever. What two plus two equals four? That's not. That's never going to change. But no matter how many apples I put in front of you or myself, I'm 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 struggling. What's two plus two equals four? But all of a sudden it clicks. Now it may have clicked for you hours before it clicked for me. But all of a sudden now, oh, I get it. Two plus two is always going to equal four. And we have people coming from all walks of life. The fact is, God is good and good all the time. That's a fact. The truth is, I don't always feel that. Yeah. So to, to think, well, I come to church, so I should have it all together. Or I come to church, the pastor should have it. No, that's far from it. We're all coming to church, and we're still trying to figure out what 2 plus 2 is, spiritually speaking. Mm-hmm. That you may have got it this week, Darby. You may have like, you know what, it happened. I've, I got it, figured it out. I chose joy. Easy peasy, whatever, right? But there could be someone who, who's sitting across from me, in front of me, behind you, and they still got the imaginary apples in front of them trying to think, I just don't get it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to be at. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And that's where I think we have to give freedom for people to grow, freedom for people to mature, because that's what God gave us. I mean, Jesus, obviously, we have 66 books in our Bible, and nobody that I know of could ever, there's a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, but no one can say they know everything about the Bible mm-hmm. because the Bible is living. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are going to be situations that just knock the wind out of us. And for us to come to that person when the wind's been knocked out of them and to say, you need to mature and grow up. You know, two plus two equals four. They know God is good. They know they're to choose joy but they're not connecting the dots yet. We got to give people time to do that. Oh yeah. And I think in people's heart of hearts for the most, you know, for the most part, I think everyone has the best of intentions. You know, it's like, you know, somebody's walking through something really, really hard and they want, you know, we'll count it all joy. You know, yeah. it's like, well, we, well, we know this. And, and I, you know, we just, I want to ask, you know, whoever is listening to this, just kind of think of a time where you were really walking through something incredibly difficult. And I hope you've been in contact with somebody that really, didn't just give you the answer, didn't tell you where you should be, but just sat there with you and empathized with you, cried with you, prayed with you, um, whatever it is. Like there's something so healthy with that of I see where you're at and it's so hard. And there's just something so powerful, again, of just of just walking with people. You know, that's not to say that we we should be tiptoeing around saying, well, the Bible does say something to say about this. But just again, have, just having that compassion first. Well, and again, just going back to what Jesus said, he said, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you're just talking about there. And if, if, we're not, if we're not doing that, we're not being the right family member to that person. Yeah. We're not giving the grace that we want extended to us in our, in our time of need that that person needs in their time of need. Right. And we don't get it right every time. No. You know, I, I would love to say that, you know, I, I, I have been in seasons where I've gone through something incredibly hard and somebody has given me a Bible verse. And I said, well, I don't want that, right. <laughs> you know, or and, and I'm, I, it's just an honest answer. And, you know, there's other seasons where I have given somebody a Bible verse where I should have just walked with them. And, you know, I just think, again, just bigger picture of 
believers and church people and, and just people in general, it's just we are we're imperfect people and we don't get it right every time, but just giving each other grace. Um, but before we, we get to the end of our time here, I, I wanted to ask you again, you had talked about your, uh, on Sunday, you had mentioned ad, your attitude determines altitude. Mm-hmm. And you had a few of those um, that you were kind of hitting. And, uh, but I, I kind of had this thought on Sunday too, that attitude kind of um, determines you, when you said altitude, we could also just say our, our posture, sure. right? Like the pot we, that our attitude determines the posture of our heart. Yeah. And you had a few moments you had said your that what that first one you said your joy to gladness, right? The attitude yeah. of our heart is joy. Yeah. The attitude of joy leads to an altitude of gladness. Yeah. Um, or the posture of our heart could be gladness. Sure. And, and, and I guess the reason why I'm using the word attitude is because attitude's a choice. So trying to just jump on what James is talking about, choose joy, count all joy when you fall into these sordid problems. And well, if attitude is a reflection of me, it's either going to escalate or de-escalate situations. So we we use three of those uh, about attitude to lead us to the right altitude. And the idea of altitude, attitude's the framework. That's, I guess we could say the posture to a certain extent, but altitude is our heights. Uh, are we going to soar or are we going to drop? And we hope to soar spiritually. So as we're ending our time here today, uh, those of you that were not with us on Sunday, Pastor James was speaking on James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. And I just wanted to go ahead and read that. Um, just because at the very end, I, I just kind of wanted to leave us with a thought. And uh, maybe you can speak into this because I, I really walked away with this. Um, but I'll just read it from the top. It says, count it, joy, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that not let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double man in mind, unstable in all his ways. I know it sounds like a really weird place to end, but I just had that thought of just saying that, going back to where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave that's tossed by the sea and the wind, and he ca- that James calls him a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, and I thought that was just interesting because I went that way on Sunday of, like, I, I think we had just talked about this, like this isn't, ta- he, James isn't talking to the unbeliever, he's, he's talking to somebody who who knows who God is, but maybe is doubting. And we all have doubts. That's sure. not, that's not what I'm saying, but just to, to say, if, if we don't know who God is, we're, we're, we're called a double-minded person. Yeah. And depending upon the situation. And, and I think James is trying to get the idea across that. Yes, we may believe God is capable of doing anything and everything until we're put into such a situation where we're not sure. And when we're unsure, we seek him, but seek him with such confidence. Seek him on the confidence of what the scripture says about God, because that, that kind of keeps us single focused, not double focused. And none of us want to be considered that unstable person. Sure. And I, I think when we were, we were talking about this too, even just talking about, you know, having a hard situation and 
you know, not believing all that God is and what he can do. And again, James is saying like, if you, if you're doubting who God is, you, you're an, uns, you know, you're, you're a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I, I heard that on Sunday because there are so many, there, there are situations that I'm like, yeah, I believe in God. I know who he is, but a situation comes up and I'm like, well, he can't do that. And I really, I felt convicted on Sunday of, man, I, I need, that was hard for me on Sunday. Well, and maybe, maybe we can leave it, leave it on this encouragement today is if we're in that place where we're just like, wow, I can't believe, I'm not sure if God can do anything in this situation. Think of how amazing it is when he does do something. You know, when the disciples saw Jesus die, they didn't know three days later he was going to rise again. Jesus said for the joy that was set before him. So think about what is the joy that God has set before me that I may not know yet, but I'm going to set by faith. I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to watch God do something only God can do in this impossible situation. Right. And if, if that's the only thing that you guys walk away with this week is, is just the encouragement of whatever situation that you're in or trial is just that, that God can. And if there's a doubt in there, uh, it's a lie from the enemy. And he, God is a God that can, and you can take him at his word. Um, so just take, take courage this week. Take, just, just know that you can have hope in, in who, who God is and that he can. Absolutely. I'm Pastor Adcock. This is Miss Darby. Yeah, it is. I'm Darby. Thank you for listening to the next steps. Have a good week.